We invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. And Lord, this morning we pray that you would take these words, Lord, that you would press them deep within us, Lord, into our hearts, that we might be changed by your word and by the presence of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, grab a seat. Okay. All right. Well, again, good morning. I wanted to make sure real quick, did, did all the kids get the little handout sheet that's got the picture of Jesus' baptism on the top? Raise your hand if you got that and you're a kid. Okay, good. Can, uh, Fasayo, can you go out there on that table in the, in the lobby? There's a handout that's got a little picture of Jesus on the top getting baptized. Can you just help hand those out to kids? Because that's going to be really important. You're going to need that for the sermon, okay? Because remember I told you I need your help with the baptism, and I'm going to need the kids' help with the sermon, okay? So Mr. Fasayo is going to grab those and bring those and hand those out, and you'll be able to follow along. So who has heard the story of Jesus' baptism before? Raise your hand. Kids, anybody ever heard that? Parents too? Adults? I love it. Y'all raise your hand. That's awesome. So we're going to talk this morning about Jesus' baptism. And it's, uh, it's a story that I love. I love the story of when Jesus got baptized in the River Jordan. Because it's this incredible moment in Jesus' life. Uh, it's incredible because the words we just read, as Jesus, it says, came up out of the water, something miraculous happened. Something unexplainable happened. And what happened was this um, dove came out of the sky and landed on Jesus. And then there was this voice that came from heaven, God's voice. And God's voice said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. In other words, God the Father said about Jesus, he said, this is my son. And I love my son, and I'm proud of my son, okay? So perfect timing. Thank you, Mazan and Fasayo. So the first little blank on there, kids, if you want to grab a pencil or a pen or a crayon, you can write in that little blank on the top of the page that God declared that he loved his son Jesus, so the word that goes in the blank is loved. Everybody got that? Okay, good. I'm glad you're following along. So God declared that he loved his son Jesus. Now, these words that God declared over his son Jesus, these are words that I would dare say every man, every son longs to hear from his father. That your father loves you and is proud of you. And the question that comes up for me is, what had Jesus done to make God so proud of him? What was it that Jesus had done that brought God to this moment that he would declare to the world, this is my son whom I love? So I'm curious, kids, have you guys ever wondered what Jesus was like as a kid. Have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that. 
I've wondered, what, is, what was Jesus like when he was in kindergarten or second grade or maybe a little older in middle school or maybe even in high school? What was he like? What's interesting is the Gospels, they don't tell us, the accounts of Jesus' life, they don't tell us much about Jesus when he was a little boy. In fact, the Gospels don't tell us much anything, anything beyond his birth, and then they jump all the way to his baptism when he was really old, probably like 30, right? So it jumps all that in between. What was happening in the in-between? Have you ever wondered that? What was going on in those 30-some years of Jesus' life? And I thought about that because it does make you wonder, why does, Jesus, or why does God declare this about Jesus here and now, at this point. Because the amazing thing is that Jesus pretty much, as far as we know, had done nothing, at least publicly, up to this point. There's no record of Jesus doing anything all that miraculous or unusual up to the point of his baptism. And so John, his own cousin, seems to be a little bit surprised at what, what's going on here. There's this sense in which God knows something that no one else knows. And he declares that at this moment in Jesus' life. He declares that this is his son. But Jesus ha- seemingly hasn't done anything, I would say, to deserve that declaration up to this point. Because all the amazing things he's going to do, he's about to do, are going to come after this. When he raises people from the dead, when he proclaims the good news of the kingdom, when he battles Satan, all those things are going to come after his baptism. But here we are with Jesus being baptized at the river. And when Jesus is baptized at the river, something miraculous happens. The Holy Spirit comes onto the scene. And Jesus comes out of the water and he hears this voice, God's voice from heaven. And we're told that other people heard it in the other gospel accounts, that other people heard it too, that this voice declared to the world that this was God's beloved son. And it was shocking. Because again, Jesus is going to do incredible things, but he hasn't done anything all that incredible yet. And one of the things I think is really important to note here about Jesus' baptism is that the Father's love for the Son had nothing to do with Jesus' performance or his accomplishments. Nothing at all. Maybe that's why Jesus was able to do so much in just three short years. Have you ever thought about that? The account of Jesus' life, it's three years, and he, he accomplished so many things. He brought the spotlight to evil and hypocrisy. He, he brought healing and wholeness. He, he relentlessly sought after and saved the lost. And in just three years of public ministry, he laid the foundation for a movement, for a faith that would transform human history. And I think it's because he began with this knowledge that he knew the Father's love was not based on his performance. Jesus was absolutely certain of the Father's love for him from the beginning. The Father was always with him, always guiding him, always speaking, and he knew God's love. I was with uh, a whole bunch of clergy at an annual meeting uh, yesterday, um, and some really great pastors doing some incredible things uh, in God's kingdom all across uh, our region. And um, whenever I get together with a, a lot of other pastors, I'm always struck with this reality in my own life and as we share and talk 
uh, with one another. And it's, the, it's this. It's that um, you might be shocked to know that I think just about every pastor I've ever known, and myself included, always feels like they're not doing enough for God. Always feels like they could be doing more for Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, um, but I feel that way. I feel like, man, I wish I could do more for Jesus than I do. And part of what, what I think we wrestle with is what a, a friend of mine said. Uh, he said it this way. He said, when we really grasp the fact that God has done so much for us in Jesus, Jesus, we can, uh, we can only hope that we would do something for him. And so we feel this drive to do something for God because he's done so much for us. Now, it's right to want to serve God, to give him all that we are, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. But I think it's also really important to remember that God loved Jesus, his own son, before he had done anything. God loved Jesus before he had done anything. And he loves you and me that way. He loves us before we've done anything. God's great love for you is not dependent on what you accomplish or what you do in this life. Not in any way. God's love for us was so great that he chose to send his son to die on the cross on our behalf. And that is not something that we deserve or even expect the God of the universe to do. And so what God wants from us in response to that is our humble and trusting love of Jesus. The Lord Jesus said it this way in John 16, 27. He said, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. And so the Father loves you, Jesus says, because you've loved me. That's what God wants, humble, trusting, loving faith in Jesus. But God's love for us is not even dependent on that. God loves us not because of how we respond to him. God loves us because he created us. He made us in his image. He calls us his children. In other words, God loves us because he loves us. He chooses to love us because that's who he is and that's what he does. In other words, he loves us in such a way that he, he has given us everything to show us that in Jesus before we did anything. Before we ever took a single step in God's direction. He loved us and he's been pursuing us. Even before we believed in him, he loved us. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is because I think nothing illustrates that reality better than what we just did than baptizing a child. Baptism is the way that we are welcomed into the family of God. And membership into God's covenant family isn't something a person can ever earn or deserve. It is a gift. It's a gift. God's love is a gift. So, kids, here's your second blanks. You ready? You ready to write in those blanks? All right, we are baptized as God's beloved children, which means we are part of God's family, all right? We are baptizing as God's beloved children, which means we are part of God's family. And that's very important about what we just did in baptism. 
We just welcome these children into the family of God. Now, some Christians believe that a child uh, must have attained a certain age uh, of understanding and reason in order to come to a place of being mature enough to repent of their sin and trust in Christ intellectually. And only then should they be baptized. Now, as someone who grew up in the Baptist church, I'm very familiar. This is how I was raised. This is the tradition I grew up with, and I understand and I appreciate that view. And if that's your view, I want you to know that here at Apostles, we would wholeheartedly agree with the understanding of baptism that baptism itself never saves anyone. Only faith in the finished work of Jesus does that. And so we would also say that we baptize not only children but believing adults here at Apostles because we believe baptism is a sign of the promises that God makes to all his children, adults and infants, promises and the way that we are initiated in to the family of God. But I, in my own spiritual journey, I have become convinced that baptizing infants and adults is a biblical practice that, in fact, better accounts for the full testimony of Scripture and the foundational truths of baptism. And so I just want to talk about this just for a moment, like what baptism actually means. Because in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are covenants, namely um, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, which we just heard from in Genesis 17, and then the new covenant, which is ushered in by Jesus. And in both covenants, God has made promises to believers and to their children. We heard that in Genesis 17. The promise is to you and your seed after you. And then in Acts 2, Peter, when he stands up and preaches, he says something similar. He says, the promise is to you and your children. And so in both covenants, God... He gives signs that go with these covenants. And the covenant sign in the Old Testament was circumcision. Again, Genesis 17. And the sign in the New Testament is baptism, water baptism. And so here we baptize infants because we believe baptism is a sign of God's promises. Promises that raise us to new life by resurrection in Jesus cleanses us and forgives us, gives us rebirth by the Holy Spirit, and initiates us into the family of God, the community of those living in light of God's promises. And what that means is just like circumcision, as a sign, didn't guarantee salvation, neither does baptism. Baptism never saves. It initiates us into the community, the covenant community, whether it's before we declare our faith in Jesus or after. Okay, So let me pause um, right there because what I want to do is I want to uh, let you know about a resource because this is, this is an important topic. I know many of you have had questions about why we baptize babies. And so this is an amazing book I would highly recommend. Uh, it's called It Takes a Church to Baptize by a guy named Scott McKnight. And it walks through many of the things that I've just skimmed the surface with about why we baptize babies. But if you have questions, please come talk to me or check out this book. But I, I would say I have found great power and peace in the symbolism of infant baptism because for me what it does is it makes so clear the absolute reality that we have done nothing and can do nothing to qualify for membership in God's family. It is all God. 
It's God's doing, not ours. It's not something we could ever earn. It is a gift that we receive. And that really is what Jesus says. In Mark 10, if you remember, Jesus talks about this when he invites the children uh, to come to him. He took the children in his arms and he blessed them. And then he looked at all the adults that were gathered around. And he said, I want you to understand that coming to God, coming to the kingdom, coming into the family of God is like coming as a child. And he invites us to, to hear within in our hearts to become like these children, humble, helpless, dependent on God. And so our prayer this morning for these children and for all the children in our community is that they would become rooted and secured in the love of God, that they will always know, no matter what happens in their life, that they are loved by God. And so if our kids are firmly rooted in God's love, then they will be secure. They will go through this life fearless and committed to loving God and serving him and following him. And that's our prayer. That's our hope is they would know that love of God. And God gives us this love uh, before we can ever even fully understand it or reciprocate it. Again, just so powerfully illustrated in the lives of children. And our prayer is that God will not only reveal his love to these children, but that he'll graciously enable them to respond in faith to what he's done for them. And that's why we do confirmation. We have a bishop come and we have what teaching where we bring these kids to the point where they can say, yes, all these promises that were affirmed on my behalf at my baptism, I now say that's my faith in Jesus. And so even though their journey begins here, it doesn't end. This is just the start. And so we walk with them together as a family on this journey, this journey with Jesus. And our prayer and our hope is that one day they'll declare for themselves what we have said today is true in their baptism, that they are children of God. A pastor I know uh, named John Yates, uh, he has this habit of praying, um, and he's prayed this prayer daily, every day for the last, I think, like 30 or 40 years. And he always uh, begins his day with a cup of coffee and God's word open, and he sits down and he says this prayer. He says, good morning, Lord. This is your day. I am your child. Please show me your way. This is your day, I'm your child. Please show me your way. And I love that prayer because it's so simple. Yet it captures exactly why our baptism is so important. Because it's really the starting point for everything else in our life to know who we are. I am your child is the starting point. We all long to know who we are. To be human is to wonder who am I? Where do I belong? What is my purpose in this life? And so we want to teach our children to know who they are. And baptism is a part of that. When we teach them that this is the starting point of their life, that today and every day going forward, no matter what they accomplish or what they don't accomplish, that no matter what happens in their life, they are the father's child and they are loved. That's grounding them in security of who they are. Because before they can figure out anything else, where they belong, what the meaning and purpose of their life is, they have to know who they are. And in our baptism, we declare that. We declare who we are. We are God's child. This is what the Bible calls grace. All right, so kids, this is your third blank. Baptism is a picture of God's grace. 
It is a gift we receive by faith in Jesus. Baptism is a picture of God's grace. It is a gift we receive by faith in Jesus. Grace is perfect love. Grace is love that requires nothing in return. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. Grace is, uh, it's like this. It's like you're treated like you are the most amazing person on earth. You are totally wonderful. You can never make a mistake. You are absolutely exceptional when the reality is you are none of those things. That's grace, right? It's this understanding that God loves me because God loves me. And so as we enter into life with him, we start from that point, this point of grace. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And God gives us this so that we can know who we are. We are loved and we are his children. So Jesus gave us two gifts, two sacraments. Kids, do you remember what they are? What are the two sacraments? Communion and baptism. That's right. Baptism. We just celebrated, and communion, we're about to celebrate. We're about to come to this table. In just a moment, we're going to come to this table, and we don't come to this table because we deserve to come to this table. We don't come because of anything we've done, and there's nothing that we've done this week that can keep us from coming to the table of the Lord because this, too, is a gift. It's a gift of God for the people of God. It is the life. It is the blood. It is the body of Jesus. And we receive those gifts by grace. Because these gifts, baptism and communion, they tell us who we are. They remind us that we are God's child, that we are part of God's family. Would you pray with me? Lord, you said to all those who would receive you, who would believe in the name of Jesus, you have given us the right, the gift to be called children of God. And so, Lord, we again thank you for the gifts of baptism and communion that remind us who we are as your children, remind us of who we are as your body, as your family. And, Lord, we pray that you would remind us that we receive these gifts not because of anything we've done, but by grace. God, you love us because you love us. You love us because you made us. And that's who we are. We are your children by grace through faith in Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.